welcome to the In Living Spanglish podcast. I am your host, Vero Fuerte, Veronica Perez, and here joining me as usual is my partner in crime, my, what were the list of names that we were going to give you? The uh, Duke of Debauchery, the Honorable Horribleness, Ricardo, yeah. Ricardo Mexicano. Yeah, yeah, Ricardo yeah, Mexicano. yeah, Mexican, okay. Mexican Nasu. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm back in the building in effect, you know, ready to do this. What was your opinion as far as, because we are recording, hopefully this time, without any feedback. You guys know that everybody in their mod today has a uh, podcast, so you'd think that by now we'd work all the kinks out. Yeah. But uh, if you held up with last week's podcast and everything sounds that we're working through we really appreciate you uh right now we are recording straight from my house which i am uh decorating right now i'm trying to go for more of like an extraterrestrial jungly mexican latin outer space vibe what do you think ricardo though looking around i don't really see the uh extraterrestrial it's 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 a work in progress kind of thing uh i can definitely see the more um surrealic uh, surrealism type of art uh-huh. like to the back of me uh is like a you know skeleton then you have you know a very picasso oh i love skeletons yeah you have the uh the skeletons you got um a, a dark fantasy that is the uh the cover to runaway if i remember yes, that, that's the, the that, that's the single cover to the runaway sleeve mm-hmm. when it was put out as a, as a no it was never put out a single anyway I, I, my, my hip-hop brain is just about to go go deep when i start thinking of like cover art but uh i like it i mean i can't wait to see what else you're gonna do to it but but i mean there's also another thing that's very important coming up soon is the fact that you'll be moving yeah so i don't know how long all this is gonna last i I, I thought about that for a little bit because i was like shit do i really want to go all out and like throw all of my energy into decorating a space that i'll only be living in for like a couple of more months but you know i was like you know what this is really sort of a testing sort of a testing time for me to make it my own and try to see what I like, what I don't like. And the place that I live in right now is ridiculously small. So um, everything right now, I just try to embrace the very clubhouse, treehouse feel of it. So that's where I got that from. But going to be moving out really soon. It's actually really funny. Speaking of moving out really soon, because this is actually my first place that I've had all by myself, sans roommate, and I am 27 years old. And I can hardly believe it. For the longest time, me personally, like, let me tell you, I had the biggest fucking complex growing up about being what felt like one of my only friends that were still living in the house with their parents, you know? And of course, that's millennial culture and all of that. But I didn't really know it at the time, you know, coming from a small town, you know, everybody gets married and has babies at like the age of like 19, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you're definitely right with that being a more, I guess, I don't, uh, I, guess, I wouldn't say it's more norm- normalized. It is definitely something that's more prevalent when it comes to millennial than like staying with your parents a lot older past that, you know, initial 17, 18 mark. America definitely has like a, a big stigma about it because I don't, I don't, I, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as you can provide something like back to your parents and you're not completely like freeloading and just you know being a leech. Yeah, being being. A, I mean, uh, a good example of like the whole leech, uh, being a neat as they would call it in uh in Japan. <laughs> uh, I mean, there 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 are 
certain people that they call parasites, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of what they do is that they have like no ambition, uh, inhibition to like. Shout out to the 2019 <laughs> Oscar winning movie. Okay, yeah. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like no, but these people have like no ambition to seek employment, just do pretty much anything with their lives. And this isn't something that's like more, this isn't anything that millennials are exactly at fault for. It's been going on for a long time in Japan specifically. I'm pretty sure it happens like in other countries, but I know about the Japan that's been going on since like probably like the late seventies. So that is really like a, like a colloquialism, a term in Japan that they use parasite. So that was something yeah. that they use as inspiration for that movie. That is fucking. No, hard. no, no. The movie has nothing to do with it. No, 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 no. Okay. Because the mo- remember the movie was spoiler alert. It was a family pretending to be something they're not to live in a different house. Yeah, but they were still like sucking, uh, like the advantages off of like the upper. Yeah, I mean in that in that sense, I guess there's there similarities. But when it comes to the parasite that it is, like a a, a child or like I guess like a, a young adult to still live with your parents and just live off their money or not even live with them. There are some people that. Get their own place, but their parents send them money every single couple weeks, every single trust month. Trust fund babies and shit, yeah. Not even trust fund babies. It's just some Japanese parents are just so, I guess, caring of like their sons or daughters. More, more so sons, to be honest. Because it usually happens more males. This, mm-hmm. this, this, uh, this parasite beha- behavior, uh, aka neet, which is all is N E E T. I forgot what the exact uh, employment acronym. acronym was. I think it stands for no education. Uh, Something no education, employment, or training. I think that was no education, employment, training. That is yeah. wild, and that yeah. is an actual like government sanctioned thing. I don't know if it's, I, don't, I don't know if it's like been been blamed from the from the government. I think it's just more of like a more colloquial when it comes to like like um, the certain subculture that's been created in Japan. And and like I said, I don't want to stigmatize Japan. It is very prevalent, <laughs> and yeah. it always has been very prevalent because the whole otaku anime culture plays into it a lot when it comes to like certain behavior and like how certain people in society isolate themselves from everybody else just because they're kind of like viewed as like not in the best light even though they shouldn't be looked at that way because you know i'm a huge fan of like a lot of that stuff and i don't think and also just so you know mujeres and hombres like ricardo mexicano here has actually lived in tokyo japan for not what tokyo. like not tokyo sorry i didn't live in tokyo i lived japan in t- for yeah, the better japan. part of what four years three years three yeah, years yeah when i was stationed there yeah so uh, he knows yeah so I, yeah i mean i i'm a little bit more knowledgeable about mm-hmm. what goes that da- goes uh, down out there i don't want to talk about it too much because it's been at this point it's been five years since i since i left mm-hmm. but i say that to bring up the point that I think as long as you're providing some sort of substance to your parents and you have like a career vision, but you know, a house, uh, just living on your own, maybe just not, may just not be feasible for you long term. And that's so difficult too, because again, that's a generational thing. Yeah. Not just it's, it's difficult to cross in different ways because not only is it a generational thing like millennials gen z blah 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 but it's also like a cultural thing you know i know people i mean i'm 27 years old and i've more or less lived on my own for about a year ish now officially about six months or so but i know people that are 30 years old you know and 29 years old that still live with their hispanic parents and that in our culture is just 
normal to a certain point. I mean, it just depends. Yeah, you know? I mean, especially down in like, you know, you go to Latin America and that's a very common thing. Yeah. You know, you'll find people well into their 30s. I mean, I don't mean to like say this in a bad light, but like some of my uncles, you know, up until like recently. My uncles too, shit. Yeah, they lived with my grandma, you know, their mom yeah. for like years, you know. And mm-hmm. like, I, it, and it's not like, sometimes it's consistent, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Like with me, I don't want to throw myself in the, in the same category of them but like i've you know i've lived away in different countries you know because of the military i've come back and got my own place and i've come back and live with them like i don't think there's anything wrong with like kind of like bouncing from from place to place while we like, get ourselves settled in yeah while well, you get yourself settled because you know sometimes um you're single you don't have kids so what's really the point of you getting like this this big house you know right? or like this really nice apartment i mean yeah the independence it's nice you know but a lot of time it's just like I said, it's not, maybe not feasible. Maybe it's not what you see for yourself. Unless, yeah, unless you're dealing with that pride, man. And let me tell you, uh, like I was 26, 27 years old when I finally like flew the nest, so to speak. But I, I, I did it out of a lot of reasons, uh, mostly because I had that complex, like you said, about being like my uncles, you know. And I have a family that still lives with you know my grandparents and things like that and i just think that it's so funny being part of the american culture where you know you're expected to move out at 17 18 19 and also being part of the hispanic culture where like some moms if you even talk about moving out you know they start tearing up and they're like oh no mijo, yeah, you're not you're not gonna come visit me anymore yes, you know. yes you're gonna forget about me now my mind isn't like that but i know <laughs> No, yeah, there was but definitely. But I know other moms that definitely are. Yeah, because you know? I mean, I can admit it that I feel like if I if I would ever decide like, hey, I'm gonna live here and pay rent for the rest of my life with my mom, Your I feel mom like would be so fucking thrilled. I don't think she'd be like thrilled. I don't think she would be like overwhelmed with like joy, but I think she would be content and yeah. be like, okay, this is nice. Yeah, you know, he's paying rent, he has a job, and he wants to live here. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, that's not what I want to do forever. Yeah, and I think that's a great segue into saying, uh, when you're ready. To do something, you know, because I feel like personally, when it comes to stuff like living with your parents, I just personally feel it shouldn't be forever. Is it nice for a while? Yeah. But I think there should be some accountability in yourself to say, okay, I'm ready to do X, Y, Z. I've always been the type of person, like, I kid you not, if I waited every single time until I was ready to do something, I would never do shit. I would never, ever do it. And it's... Funny how our personas can come off very different, I guess, from a social aspect versus like who we are on the inside. I feel like, you know, uh, with my friends and my social circle, sometimes I come off as like this very uh, boisterous, happy-go-lucky, confident person. But really, like, just like everybody else, like I overthink every fucking thing. And so when it comes to being ready, honestly, sometimes I just have to except the fact that I'll never be quote unquote, like what the heck does ready even mean until like you are so certain that a move is going to be absolutely foolproof that you cannot fail any way whatsoever. That's it just doesn't exist. It just doesn't, you know? And, um, yeah, no, I, that's, that's a lesson I had to learn the tough way in a lot of ways. I'm still learning it. Yeah. I would say that when it comes to me personally being ready in any aspect of life, it really comes down to what I'm what I'm sure of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always find myself very calculated when it comes to being ready for something, and I kind of 
it's good. And, it's good and bad in, in, in both ways because it's good because I take my time. I'm very meticulous and I know exactly what I want. Yeah, you fucking are. Yeah, <laughs> I take my time and I know exactly what I want out of something. I could usually have this clairvoyant vision to be like, I knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. But and and the on the other on the other hand of things, there are times where I feel like I don't take enough risk. Even if I'm not ready, you know? Because I feel like yeah. there are moments where even if you don't feel ready, you should still go for it. And I feel like that kind of hinders me in a lot of ways where I'm like, well, man, I think I should have jumped on that when I should have. I think that you make a lot of pretty big moves for someone your age, though. Like, whether or not you overthink something or not, you know, um, I watch you in comparison to the way that I operate and do things. And me... A lot of times people ask me, well, uh, like my reasoning behind doing certain things. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just throwing spaghetti at the wall and I'm going to see what fucking happens like this podcast. Um, <laughs> and um, and I just see what happens. But with you, Ricardo, like and we're going into a compliment circle here, like gather around with us children. Like, I honestly feel, Ricardo, like you are one of the most like perfectly uh, or as perfect as can be balanced in both your creativity and your pragmatic pragmatism is that a fucking word being practical uh, pragmatism yeah. pra- being pragmatic basically okay okay yeah yeah and uh, i feel that way like you know how some people say that you are uh some people are more left brain and some people are more right brain you are very much you are a person that can look at a piece of audio or a piece of content and make it completely your own and have your finger on the pulse and at the same time you are also a person that values punctuality and doing things to the best of your ability and valuing people's time and uh, just very business-like and orderly in that way and that is a hella hard balance to find yeah i mean i appreciate that i really Mm -hmm. do but i think I think for me personally, I think, I think it comes down to that that self satisfaction at mm-hmm. the end of the day, where you feel like you you can always do more. Yeah. Or I should have done this instead of that. It's that drive, bro. Yeah, it's the drive. And uh, it's funny. I was just like a couple hours ago, maybe like three hours ago, I was uh, listening. I was watching some of the uh, the latest um, Joe Rogan clips, mm-hmm. and there was a guy on there talking about. Um, his own battle was, you know, depression and how no matter how much he gambled, how much women he slept with, there was always that that void, you know, because it was a sickness. You know, he's depressed and he kind of brought up Anthony Bourdain, which, you know, started to hit me because mm-hmm. Bourdain is like one of uh, um, one like of my him. personal one of the few people that I really admire. You know, I'm not, you know, to for those who don't know, like I really I'm very I'm very hard to like impress impress a lot of times when it comes especially like celebrity figures just because i don't like putting people, people up on, on, a, a on a pedestal so but bourdain was somebody that always you know took my breath away when it when it came to like how we carried himself how we spoke and like his suicide like really like like hit me hard just to know that somebody that you from the outside you thought had it together mm-hmm. just completely you know threw it away in the worst possible way way you could so the guy on the podcast i think david cho if i remember he started talking about, uh, I love him. yeah. Oh my gosh! I'm sorry, I love him. Okay. Yeah, he started talking about. He said he knew he knew Bourdain. Yeah. And they were. He said that a year before he actually committed a suicide, um, but Bourdain, uh, Anthony Bourdain called David and was asking him like, "Hey man, how do you, you know, how do you do it? How do you get through it?" And mm. like he, David said, he was like very moved because he actually 
uh, was impressed that Anthony was able to like reach out to somebody, you know, like take that very first step to be like, hey, something's wrong, you know, like my life is not fulfilled. Like it's not like something's wrong, something's still missing. And like on the podcast, if you watched it, if you watched the clip, he he breaks down because, you know, he he just uh, he probably just started thinking of like that conversation he had with Anthony. Just knowing that and somebody, how that was a sign. Yeah, and and just, you know you always have that that thing in the back of your mind, especially through events like that. Like maybe I could have said something more, maybe I could have done something. That's a very extreme version of it, but I say that to make the point that there's always that longing in you. So even though people from the outside may view may view you as a very um, put together person, Effective, you're always punctual, yeah, nothing's wrong. you're always uh, striving for more. You're always longing mm-hmm. for more. And, you know, no matter what you do to try to fill that hole, just sometimes it's not enough. I totally, I totally get that. Again, because like perception is everything. And it's just like what we were saying, the way that people view us from the outside is not necessarily, you know, what we are when the doors are closed. I have always had a big trouble with comparison. And it's not something that I ever really admitted to myself until these past couple of months. You know, like I always want to believe that I'm a very individualistic, free thinker, things like that. But I mean, if we're being honest, I feel like I end up comparing myself to what the next person is doing all of the time. And there's a the funny thing about comparison, too, is that there's a healthy way to utilize it. And then there's like a toxic way, even though I don't like that word. Sometimes, yeah, but. I mean, it could definitely... Um... It's a big form of of um, fatherization. Uh-huh. Right, um, definitely. Uh, I definitely don't ever see myself. Oh, okay, I won't say definitely. I don't quite often catch myself comparing myself mm-hmm. to the next man or woman. Um, if somebody happens to compare somebody else to me, I'm very flattered. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I really try to maintain this very humbleness about about myself. At the same time, I know I'm great, so I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Like, of course, of course, you're going to. It's a juxtaposition, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, okay. I can see why you would say this person's qualities, traits, remind Mm -hmm. him or her of me. Yeah. Uh, Why do do you think that, though? Like, I don't, I don't, like I said, my, my way of thinking is just so tunnel vision. I'm like, this is me. This is what I'm going to do. That I just sometimes don't. I love that about you. Yeah. And I just don't have time just to be like, what's he doing? Uh, what's this person doing? What's that? Like, I do I have, do, am I influenced by certain, like, traits of people? Definitely. Like, yeah, I'll look around, you know, in real life, on YouTube, and be like, oh, man, that's dope. Mm-hmm. I want to try my version of that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not trying to make it a competition kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, like I said, that is such a, a ridiculously rare trait in the world that we live in, you know? Uh, I would not be being honest on this podcast if I didn't say that, like, I struggle with the exact opposite of that. I feel like I compare myself a lot. You know, uh, of course, we have the extreme versions of that. There are days where I wake up and I think I'm the shit. I think I'm the greatest thing that ever fucking live. And you can't tell me nothing, as uh, uh, my old friend Ye would say. Um, And there are days where I just think, you know, I. and here's the thing is that With comparison, sometimes it's like, is it like, sometimes you're confused. You look through social or you look through people's content or people's videos and you're sitting here and you're thinking, am I comparing myself right now or am I being inspired? Like, sometimes it's hard for me to tell the fucking difference. Like, I'll watch um, one of my favorite um, 
content uh, creators, uh, Jenny Lorenzo. Uh, she's a uh, uh, she's a Cuban from Miami, and she does like a lot of really hilarious, relatable Hispanic content. Like I watch her stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so hilarious. This is so on point. Uh, yo quiero hacer algo like exactamente como esto, pero like completely my own. Um, and uh, but like you can either be inspired and be uplifted by it or you can start you know nitpicking on your own qualities or what you quote unquote lack lack of but you know you have to think about it uh, oftentimes they've been at it more years than you have it's a it's a definite like you said it, it, it is a balance when it comes to this whole conspir- the comparison thing because you could definitely use that to drive mm-hmm. you could definitely look yeah. at somebody and very and then and analyze what they are and see what move they took to get to their position but and i think but i think it's a very slippery slope when you really start making that carbon copy mm-hmm. of their moves because yeah. you're not going to be you're not going to do what they did you know to and the it's, yeah and it's difficult then though because then you're going against what everybody always says like if you like what someone is doing reverse engineer it and yeah. you know there's nothing that's original out there so right. you might as well you know do your own shit do their shit but go at it backwards with your own spin on it you know that's yeah. basically what everyone tells and you I, and do. i think and i think that is true in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but i think there is a, a clear difference between that and and pure imitation oh well yeah straight up plagiarism yeah. there is a difference yeah, yeah for sure i grew up only knowing only knowing spanish like most of the people that grew up with hispanic parents uh i grew out of it through like assimilation and through the school system when i was eight years old and then i only knew english basically like uh, my parents stopped speaking spanish in the uh, in the home so i only spoke english up until now and now i'm in the process of you know trying to reteach myself this language that's very important to me and very important for me to get back in touch with my culture. So in order for me to start speaking Spanish more and to get better at it, I take those opportunities when I'm having conversations, even with my non-Latino friends, to speak to them in Spanish. And I know, depending on what region of the U.S. that you're from, uh, some people might get offended by that, you know? Uh, they're like, um, they might go through the whole, hey, speak English spiel, hey, I don't understand what you're saying, that kind of thing. But I'm lucky enough to have friends where whenever I do cross languages in the middle of a sentence, they either use context clues, you know, or like just straight up fucking ask me what I just said. Um and I don't know, have you, do you have anything to add to that? I'm very particular when it comes to switching back and forth Code between. Switching. Yeah, because I just always been very, I don't know if it's aware or just more subconsciously mm-hmm. knowing what I'm more comfortable speaking mm-hmm. most of the time. So if I'm around, if I'm around this group of people, I just want to speak Spanish. If I'm around this other group of people. I just want to speak English, and it's very ironic because the show's called, you know, In Living Spanglish. <laughs> but I do have to admit that a lot of time I don't find myself using Spanglish so uh, too often, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like maybe I did at one point, but I kind of just kind of grew out of it. It's very strange because I have a very, a very weird relationship with Spanish because on one hand, I know it's very important to the culture of Hispanic people. Uh, and it's kind of weird that you said, you know, your friend is black. 
but that doesn't mean he couldn't be Hispanic. Because, oh yeah, that's true. Because, because that's technically, true. Retraction, because te- you guys, yeah. I'm gonna edit that part. Yeah. No, 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 because technically, <laughs> you you can be black and Hispanic because and this, Afro this is Latinos yeah, this, this is where my this is where my problem yeah. starts getting into it because being Hispanic just means somebody that happens to speak Spanish or comes from a Spanish speaking yeah, country. Very true. My bad. So like, you can be Asian. You can be black. You can be you know an albino from South Africa speaking. Mm-hmm. Spanish, and you happen to live in, you know, you know, Bolivia, you know, uh, not Brazil, because Portuguese, that's not Hispanic, you know, tidbit, Brazil is not Hispanic, because they don't speak Spanish, um, mm-hmm. they can be Latino, Latina, but they cannot and be And people Hispanic. don't know the difference, like, we need to get into that one day, but, yeah, yeah, but my big problems lies with Spanish, because it is a, it is a, a, a colonialized language, you know, and that's kind of so like, is English. It is, yeah. and I know, and I'm saying, but when you really get to the root, at the root at at the root of it, the reason we speak Spanish is because of you know colonization, mm-hmm. and a lot, and then obviously you have a lot of other you know atrocities that came from that. But like I said at the beginning, I know that it's very important to the culture of very of many people, especially if you don't know the history. Like I don't expect you to know everything that happened, you know, in the 14th or 1500s. Like I get it, not everybody has the time to sit down and read. And analyze what the reason why you are the way you are is because of this Nerd. long, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this long, this yeah. this long lineage of you know genocide, yeah. you know, against you know Native Americans and and uh, here, yeah, and yeah. all that, and like some ugly shit, yeah. But like again, we can we can get into that conversation all day, but yes, Spanish is very important to a lot of people because you know at the end of the day that's all you know. If that's all you know growing up in Mexico, if that's all you know growing up in Argentina, hey, like who am I to say that you can't speak a colonizer's language? Can I can I tell you though, like for real, for real, there is nothing sex there are very few things in life for me that is sexier than like a man that is bilingual. I don't know what it is. I think it's like if you grow up one language and you go out of your way to speak to learn a second language uh that has nothing to do with your personal life that you don't have any particular like you don't have any french relatives you don't have any spanish relatives but you go out of your way just to be more cultured as a human being to learn a second oh my gosh like uh, like parate ya like i am so done in the best way yeah i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to learn french you know mm-hmm. so i gotta i gotta pick up on my uh get back on my my app because i've been i've been slacking a little Duolingo? bit uh no, uh Babel. Oh yeah 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 no I heard that one's good that one. Yeah good. I've been uh, it's good it's a very good it's a very good app uh this is not sponsored so I don't want to talk about yeah, them yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but yeah I, I need to get back on my on my uh français you know ting yeah and uh, pick that up again yeah for sure I, and uh, me uh, like I said my relationship with Spanish is like when i first learned it obviously when i was a kid it came so naturally and then when i started unlearning it the entire time from like eight years old uh, through my entire like high school and college like ages i went through that austerization of sorts where you know like other hispanic girls they would like do chismes and they would talk about me behind my back and giggle at the fact that you know my accent was funny and things like that and it was it was just very it's just very ostracizing and just strange to feel like, but I am one of you. Like, yeah. And I, you, exactly. You, you really get into the notion that you're never enough. 
you know, and I think that's a lot of uh, a lot of or too much. I, I, I would say like I would, to this or to that, but not enough of this and not enough of exactly. that. Exactly, I would say it's a very overwhelming amount of um, you know, Mexican American, Salvadoran American, whatever you are, mm-hmm. that exists in the United States that go through this period, maybe their whole life, where they feel that they have to choose sides and they cannot be enough. You know, when it comes to like you know, high school girls picking on you because. Oh, they can speak. They speak Spanish all day. They know all the the latest songs in Spanish. They can, you know, they're going to the baile on the weekends, and you're just at home. Yeah, you know, and I'm over here listening to Lincoln Park. You know, you're listening to Lincoln Park. You're, you know, you're, you're you're eating hot Cheetos on the couch with your yes. little, with your little sister watching girlfriend. And you know, yes. you know, and they don't understand that. But should that take away of you being any less any you know, less Latina, any less yeah, Latino? Like, yeah, I'm like absolutely no, not. absolutely, yeah, absolutely not. So where, where does that leave us? You know, like where, cause if you start going one way, if you start going, uh, oh, I'm just going to associate myself with uh, white people. I'm going to associate myself with black people. I'm going to associate myself with, uh, you know, Indians, uh, mm-hmm. Asian people. Then you're looked at as a betrayer. Yeah. You don't like, you don't like being this. You're whitewashed. Yeah. You don't like doing this. You don't like doing that. Mm-hmm. And could that be true? Could you could you resent your own race because they outcasted you for so long? Yeah, that definitely can happen. Oh yeah, there are examples of that within the black community all the time, like on the media. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, and like I said, that's uh, it's very it's very relatable. I think a lot to minorities for sure. Mm-hmm. When it comes to you know being us, yeah yeah being just um looking like an outcast just because you you maybe you liked uh rodeo you know and you you happen to be black mm-hmm. but you know you didn't know anybody in your neighborhood that just you know wanted to like rope cows with you but like, <laughs> fuck. But like for real like but if all of us rope but, bulls with you I mean. but this is this is what's so fantastic about this like age right now where we're living in is that honestly like this is the shit that i grew up dealing with thinking that I was, quote unquote, the only one. Right. And then we are now living in an age where all of this content is constantly being made, you know, like uh, through Netflix, through Hulu, through, you know, um, just raw deals about being multifaceted individuals. And I mean, podcasts, you know, about being multi multifaceted individuals that can still consider themselves part of their culture that they grew up in. And I just think that's like a really awesome witness and to be alive for in a sense, you know, you're never, you're never alone. Mm -hmm. It's what I want to, you know, stress to like people who are a lot younger, especially growing up nowadays, you know, you're never alone. You're never alone when it comes to your interests your 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 dislikes the way you're thinking there's always going to be somebody out there that can relate to what you're saying and i wish you know i wish there was more stuff like what we're doing now and just the other amazing content that's been put out in like the last decade when i was in high school you know because even though i always had this sort of like resilience about myself and just never you know letting what others had to say about me you know it was still it would still suck you know because you know they would you know you know I couldn't, I would hide, you know, certain things because I just felt like, oh, I don't want them to like, I don't want them to rank on me. You know, they finna, they finna get at me if they, yeah, if they right. figure out that I want to go to a, to an art museum. Yeah. You know? Now that you're like, oh, what, what's this nerd talking about nerd culture and yeah. all of this stuff. And now it's like the hip thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and, and it's a very <laughs> cyclical. It's very, yeah, ironic, and, it, it. and it's funny because, you know, you want to, 
you want to say that you aren't mad that everything that you <laughs> that that you like now, and we you know we talked about this a lot yes. of times that everything that you like, the hipsters, hipsters, you guys. I mean, yeah, in in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't want to admit it, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there are certain things that you know I was privy to, or just you know was just lucky to to have the game just put on me early on mm-hmm. about certain thoughts about certain um people well, that certain music certain, certain ways music of yeah just everything that you know i'm fortunate to like learn about at, at an early age that just most people just won't know until probably later on and eventually you know make it cool i mean with all that being said i mean what do you think is the next frontier for hispanic people i mean do, are we talking about just like content wise or are we talking about like from a political spectrum or i'm talking about when you go to the airport and you're heading out the lobby mm. out of the ramp that that pilot the captain is is mexican mm-hmm. you know i'm talking about that i'm talking about when you meet the uh the, the general manager of like your local bank of america it's a uh, it's hispanic you know it's, it's just multifaceted is what i'm saying you know, and there's, there's definitely been strides, you know, there's definitely been plenty of uh, Latino that have done, you know, worked at NASA, you know, mm-hmm. our representatives. Yeah, but, AOC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have done, you know, great social work, you know, from from the the 20th, the early uh, 20th century to, you know, the modern age. Uh, it's just not out there like that. And I think you know, what you said earlier, it's just more important about putting the voices, putting a face to the voice. There's still a lot of work to be done when it comes to like exposing things like that. And yes, we're getting to a point now where representation in media as entertainment in general is all cool and fun and important. It is. But also we cannot forget that in order to, you know, make ourselves equally known or like or have a substantial foot in society that it's all about the Benjamins. You know, it's all about like who we employ to be the managers, who we employ, you know, to actually have the money, who holds the power, different things like that. I feel like sometimes a lot of times, actually, when it comes to um, the Twitterverse Mm -hmm. or just social media in general, I think it's fantastic and wonderful to celebrate um you know when we get uh i can't think of anyone in particular right now but like let's say a uh, star wars remake and they are recasting everyone to be black or or recasting an all-out latino cinderella remake i'm totally making shit up by the way mm-hmm. like i think that's awesome but also hope it doesn't distract people not from, pandering yes yeah. not pandering and not distract people from what we really need in order to have real representation in society and i think one of the things that constantly keeps me frustrated is that we talked about this one time when we we're uh when we we're in dallas uh when we we're driving and i brought up the fact that we've been here you know yeah. this isn't a new thing like when it comes to latinos hispanic whatever you want to um use to like refer to us as like we've been here like as far as like music uh arts our influences inno- are everywhere innovation like we've been here forever and you know i'm not afraid to say it you know when it comes to like what is cool in like america like it's it's black and, and brown black like and brown. it's brown just straight up like i've and i've i felt like i've i felt like that forever and i talk about it you know it's not like i'm not, I'm not afraid to say it and you know out there mm-hmm. um but that's what to me that's what that's what it is when it comes to uh, and it could be like the most like just negative things you know even though it's like not a good thing to put a spotlight on the negativity like when you think about certain 
um, people, you know, bad or good, you know, a certain, that race that they carry, you know, says a lot. You know, why are they this? Why is uh, this certain group of people very uh, boisterous when it comes to their dancing, when it comes to their food, when it comes to the way well, they... Well, that's the thing is that first they, like, will criticize us and then they will try to emulate and be us. Yeah. You know, you just, you give it time and it yeah. happens and every yeah. couple of decades. And it, Yeah, it is all about timing. It's just, I just want to put that stamp and let people know, like, this isn't this isn't nothing new. You know, mm-hmm. I got the I got the archive back in like fifteen forty two that we've been here. You know, and beyond that, you know, you know, millennia ago. You know, it's just about making that that footprint permanent. It's a good time to uh, close out with our good looking out segment. So this is going to be a segment where we basically tell you all of the different things that we've been into this week. TV shows, albums, different things like that. And just like things that we're really digging. So for me this week, one of the things that I've been, it's been out for a couple of weeks, but I just recently finished listening to all of it. And it's the Lola album by Carrie Rodriguez. And I don't know why I just said it like that. Rodriguez. I have trouble rolling my r's okay if we're gonna be for real for real here like i'm a hispanic who has trouble rolling multiple r's sometimes okay so deal with it but carrie rodriguez so she is from i believe san antonio texas and her music is focused a lot on like americana style fused with traditional like a uh, lot of folk latin folk yes And uh, her album, Lola, is just one of the most haunting, lots of strings, lots of horns, things like that. So if you guys ever get a chance, like, I think it's pretty much everywhere. I would definitely uh, I would definitely recommend a listen if you're into Americana and uh, just want to explore more like Latin based music. Uh, it's really good. And a lot of it. And one of the things that I love the most about it is that it's the lyrics. They're in Spanglish. And I love that shit. I love when they mix and match and weave and wop because that's what we're all about here. So another one that I love is the news that both Black Lady Sketch Show and Insecure are Emmy nominated, baby. I am so fucking hyped about this. I first watched Black Lady Sketch Show when it came out a couple years ago. I think it was not 2019, then 2018 for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was 2018. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, like, you know, you and I are, like, insecure dummies. Like, uh, we're here for it. Yes. And uh, just to know that I'm pretty sure that Issa Rae has a hand in Black Lady Sketch Show, right? Isn't that part of her production? I'm pretty sure it is. No, I'm not not sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Like, what is fact-checking? We'll figure that out later. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, Black Lady Sketch Show, it's four black women that basically uh, make a variety show of, like, different different experiences and things like that. Um, One of the best ones to do is... um, what was the one that I just showed you before the we Purgatory, started? Uh, Purgatory Soul, Soul, Soul Food. Food. Yes, yeah. that one. And uh, uh, the one in the courtroom, too. So uh, a lot of these are available on YouTube. So check those out if you get a chance. Uh, what about you, Ricardo? What's your good looking out? Oh, uh, One of the big things I really want to recommend is for my uh, hip-hop heads out there, my backpackers, is if you know Blue had a... At this point, probably a 13-year career, starting like 2007 with his Below the Heavens album produced entirely by Exile, DJ producer from uh, the West Coast. Uh, they recently got back together to produce this new album called Miles. And I had it on my checklist, but it just, it went over One me. One of those, I, like, I'll get yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, like, because I'm a big Blue and Exile fan. And they've only put out two collaborative albums before this one. 
and but this new one they put out. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people. The first one is definitely a classic. Uh, second one, uh, it's it's a, it has a lot of misses, so it's not as remembered. It's still a good album, not bad. This new one though, an hour and a half of music. It's a lot of music. It's like twenty tracks. Some of the tracks border on like nine tracks. Mi- yeah, some of them. Some of the tracks are like almost nine minute long. Like, Shit, it's like a very, the total runtime must be like almost two hours. It's it, it close. It's close. No, it's like hour forty five. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's very long. It's a very conceptual album in a way. I don't even though it's not billed as a concept album. Very jazzy. I mean, you can almost call it like a jazz That's rap album. Shit, yeah. But um, blue. If you if you're a fan of him, you would know that from the very first album, it was more about him not knowing. Just being a young, you know, black male in L.A. and just trying to navigate the world and just seeing him now 13 years later hook up with Evan, uh, Exile again and just hearing his perspective and knowing like, oh, I know some stuff now, but I'm still trying to figure things as I go in my life. Yeah. So, and like, you know, being a father now and just watching how social injustice has continued then and it's still going on now and, you know, how we can, you know, make it better. Uh, like I said, very jazzy, very uh, introspective, a lot of... um socially um viable um lyrics bars Applicable. yeah i mean just what's ju- a what's a, called, a song out of it that like has been sticking with you today uh the album's called miles by the way because i think it's a, it's a tribute to miles davis the famous mm-hmm. uh trumpeteer but also i think it also has a double meaning where it's like i've traveled this many miles but i still have so many to go mm-hmm. and if you look over the track list uh you'll notice a common theme where He's like his name is Blue B L U, so he's referring to a lot of songs that have like kind of double meaning, like uh, "Blue as I Can Be," uh, "Roots of Blue," uh, "You Ain't Never Been Blue," uh, what else? "Requiem of Blue," like a lot of stuff like that. Uh, one of the songs that I love a lot right now is called "Bright as a Star." Like the instrumental's dope, the hook, uh, very soulful, just all around, just a great, great album. So. That's probably at this point. I think it's like my my rap album of like twenty twenty. Wow, yeah, them big words, man. And we still got five months to go. Mm-hmm. Shit, it's gonna be hard to top this one. Yeah, but this is just right up my alley. Just that nerdy backpack underground. I'm excited. Hip hop, definitely check that out. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's an amazing work. So you know, definitely shout out to them. Yeah, for sure. That wraps it up for this week's podcast, you guys. Uh, if you have stuck around, first off, I just want to go ahead and. Thank you from the bottom of my uh, big, big corazón. This has been a long time project coming for both me and my best homie here. We just wanted to go ahead and create something to just, you know, reach out to all the folks out there uh, and remind you guys that, you know, like you said, Ricardo, that no one is ever alone out here, that you can be completely and 100% yourself in the complete kaleidoscopic human being that you are, you know? Hispanic, Latin American, black, brown, and everything in between. So this has been the In Living Spanglish podcast. We out. Yep. Yeah.